This message comes from NPR sponsor REI Co-op. REI has gear, clothing, classes, and advice for camping and glamping, biking and hiking, axing and snacksing. Visit your local REI Co-op or REI.com for the million and one ways to opt outside. From NPR, it's World Cafe. Hey, I am Kaleo. Today, my guest is McKinley Dixon, who grew up in Maryland and came to prominence in Richmond, Virginia, and has a wide range of influences from classic literature and jazz to hip hop and anime. On his new album, he moved to Chicago, looking for a blank canvas to generate ideas for what would become Beloved Paradise Jazz, a wildly inventive and sonically lush album that speaks about the need for longing. He'll talk about why his sound can be difficult to pin down, his love of animation, and how Toni Morrison is responsible not just for the title of his album, Beloved Paradise and Jazz, or a trilogy of Morrison's novels, but also why she's the greatest rapper of all time. Let's get into it, starting with the title track, Beloved Paradise Jazz. It's McKinley Dixon on World Cafe. Keep my braids. Summer, I'm less likely to falter. Gold fingertips rusted. Now the color has altered. Deny food from the hand. Matriarch is insulted. The house is crumbling. Hurry out the back door bolting. The rubble recently reset my bones. Black skinned concrete within it. I feel at home. Surrounded by all my d***s. It's a feeling I missed. I was once nothing and then suddenly I was fixed. One filled with so much heat. Pray some for I hit the street. Cause if I loosen grip a little results finna be bleak. Featuring Ms. Jalen Brown. That is Beloved Paradise Jazz. It's the title track from McKinley Dixon's album released earlier this year. Beloved Paradise Jazz is the follow-up to his critically acclaimed For My Mama and Anyone Who Look Like Her. McKinley Dixon's my guest. I'm Kaleo. It's World Cafe. Welcome to the show. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Um, So astute readers uh, will pick up on the title of your album. It also shares the title of three books from one of the great American storytellers and authors, Toni Morrison. First things first, how did you end up getting into her work? Ah, I mean, I feel like she's one of those authors that for a lot of black folk, you don't really remember getting into it. You know, it was sort of this thing that my mother always had one of her books, you know what I mean? And it's like, I would read, it just sort of became this transition where it's like books when I was a ch- like a tiny child, tiny child to books when I, that I would always see just consistently in the same spot in my house, you know what I mean? And then books that as I got older, I would eventually wander into and she just, Beloved was one of the ones that I had. And then I sort of got off of it for a while because those books are, you know, they're very heavy books. And I think that is something to be said. So I came off of it for a while, but then I got back to it in school and I just fell in love. Yeah. And when I saw what you had said, I kind of, my eyes like lit up because it was like, oh wait, I can actually make the connection here. You call her the greatest rapper ever. And I, I, you know, can you unpack that for our audience? Because I, I think I'm getting, I think I get where you're coming from on this. Most deaf, most deaf. So Tony, she's the greatest rapper of all time because the way that she writes about humans and writes about time and writes about home and writes about everything in between is something that's so inherently black, which 
shares a lot of its properties with rap music being something that is so much about home, time, everything else in between. And I think that she just writes about that so fluent, like fluently and with such a purpose that it is almost musical. And I think she is the influence in a lot of things today, but I think one that she does not receive enough credit for is rap music. Yeah, and you brought the receipts because the the, the album opens uh, with <laughs> a, a spoken word piece uh, from. No, you brought you brought receipts. Uh, the first track on Beloved Paradise Jazz is a song called Hanif Reads Tony, and it's Hanif of Durakiv uh, opening the album with a reading from jazz. I want our audience to take a listen to this. Below is a shadow where any blase thing takes place. Clarinets and lovemaking, fists and the voices of sorrowful women. A city like this one makes me dream tall and feel in on things. Hep, it's a bright steel rocking above the shade below that does it. When I look over strips of green grass lining the river at church steeples and into the cream and copper halls of apartment buildings, I'm strong. Alone, yes, but top-notch and indestructible. And Eve reads Tony, opening track on McKinley Dixon's new album, Beloved Paradise Jazz. Tell me about like mm. connecting with Hanif, who is just an mm. absolute rock star in his own right. Uh, you know, like really showcases her words beautifully. How'd you connect with him? Hanif is Tony's greatest descendant. You know what I mean? He, they're from the same place. And I think that the connection there is so obvious, you know? I think Hanif is the one that told me and explained to me how much Tony... Um, is such a great writer about love, you know what I mean? She's like one of the greatest writers of love. And I think it just connected. We just clicked, you know? Then I was like, who better to get as the person to read Tony's words than Anif? Seemed a little obvious for me, you know? Mm-hmm. And we just, it just worked out. McKinley Dixon is my guest. We're talking about his new album, Beloved Paradise Jazz, here on World Cafe. Obviously, the tie-in with the Toni Morrison title. What are some of the themes that you were thinking about exploring on this record? What was important for you to sort of dive into? Hip-hop is so regional, and I think that I missed out on being a part of a region of it. You know what I mean? Especially not growing up in a certain area that was, you know, very connected with rap. There was a lot of people in Maryland that did rap and I did spend a lot of time in New York and obviously, you know what I mean? But I never really had the roots laid down in either place because I spent so much time between both places, you know? And then I go to Richmond and Virginia and that's not a real big rap town, you know what I mean? You yeah. have the obvious legends of Virginia and I think those are more so punk and jazz. And so I think this album experiences and sort of flows with the idea of longing, you know, longing to have a place, longing to have love, longing to talk about love, longing to be there with someone, you know what I mean? And experiencing those feelings, not as something where it's like just sadness, but also optimism. It's also happiness, you know what I mean? It's like these sort of things do not end, you know, and they should be continuously talked about. And I think the human experience is, loss. You know what I mean? And I think that is not something to be afraid of. It's fascinating to me because, you know, oftentimes an album is based around a collection of experiences, right? Mm-hmm. And I imagine it's trickier to, to put something together when it's actually not the experiences, but the absence of mm-hmm. those experiences. Um, like, 
you know, what becomes what becomes a touchstone for you when you're when you're thinking about emptiness or belonging? Mm-hmm. It's mm, it's sort of like you cling to the moments that you have. You sort of take them and you write about them as much as you can, as beautifully as you can, before you sort of lose them in this way that is not sad, but just how you go through life. You know what I mean? I think it's sort of, it's a lot of being like this summer, you know what I mean? It's a lot of fact checking. It's a lot of going back and talking to my grandparents. It's a lot of communicating with my loved ones. And I think it's a lot of history. And with that comes trying to find where the love was in a lot of those situations, you know, and that then becomes the album that the writing, and then that becomes the album eventually just taking a bunch of small moments that you will remember forever and trying to connect them into one sort of intention. Yeah. Makes sense. You wanted to make the re- record sound like a movie, moving from sort of lyrical themes to like sonic mm-hmm. themes. Where does the heavy lifting come in for for that? Is it arrangement? Is it editing? Um, like, what do you find pushes your sound? Which I agree, this record feels very cinematic. How yes. do you push? How do you push it into cinematic territory? What are some of those restraints or mm-hmm. expansions that you need to do? Everything, you know. I think <clears throat> you have to be really detailed and really intentional. You sort of got to be like, okay, if if this part of the song, I want to raise my voice, how can I put that into the instrumental as well? You know what I mean? What am I talking about also? Because I have to figure out the situations a lot and be more intentional with the details of my writing. You know what I mean? And now I have to also think about the instrumental because it is like, like there's a part of Tar Feather where the first verse sort of switches when I go into this more to more of a reminiscent moment where I'm like a shaky hand sweeps the table of the crumbs while a little boy hopes someday he gets closer to the ones that set off explosive tongues. Someone could kill last summer. He lift his head, butterflies escaped his mouth from out his lungs, you know, and it's sort of this dreamy, like memory of the summer. And underneath of that, I put strings because it's like, this is how we sort of, force the viewer to have the imagery of it, you know, and it's, it's a lot of, you know, it's a lot of that. And I think if you just do it enough times, it sort of becomes natural. And it also helps that I love movies. I love media. I love consuming it. You know, I think you sort of get good at what you study. Yeah. Let's take a listen to it right now. It's McKinley Dixon dedicated to Tar Feather. I never thought this gift would make me feel bad It seems the weight of this crown has now driven King mad So he sits up in his castle with the door to his back Ripping gold flickering flesh off his finger pads Hum and I just wanna touch again, wish the feeling remain Wasted this life rapping, hope it all wasn't in vain I take a walk through the garden, flowers don't know my name But they still listen, I think I like it like that <laughs> A shaky hand sweeps the table of the crumbs While a little boy hopes someday he'll get closer to the ones that set off explosive here on World Cafe, it's McKinley Dixon featuring Anjima Lee, dedicated to Tar Feather. It's a song from his new album, Beloved Paradise Jazz. I am Kaleo. It's World Cafe hanging out with McKinley, who is my guest. You spent a good amount of time uh, in the 2010s living in Richmond, uh, mm-hmm. Virginia, but decided to move mm-hmm. to Chicago before starting work on this album. So it's kind of a two-part question. Why the change of scenery 
and why Chicago? Oh, man. So I love Richmond. You know, I love the Southern sun. I love being able to see everyone I've ever known so easily and so accessibly. I love every sort of corner having a memory. And I love, you know, I love knowing where everything is. But with that comes being very comfortable with how, you know, you sort of experience things, you know, you sort of take for granted how close your loved ones are, you know, you sort of, you're, you can do, there's more lenience. And I think that lenience can keep you either very stagnant or it can sort of make you want to find something else. You know, I think, I think I did everything I could living a decade. It's been changed in the city, you know, did my sold out shows, my first sold out shows, released three records about my city, you know, did all these things with the community, fell in love with everybody I knew, became myself. You know, I think at a certain yeah. point you have to realize that there's a big world out there. You know, I couldn't die on the East Coast. Chicago, I come here and it's like there's so many, there's still so many things that are so resistant. You know, there's so many things that are like, if we don't like it, we get enough people, we can change it. You know what I mean? And I think sure. it's easy for it to do that in this city. You know, I think that it's really cool, whether it be on a grand scale, you know what I mean? Or even on like a little scale. And I think those sort of, that sort of magic happens all the time, you know? We're talking with McKinley Dixon on World Cafe. So even though you had moved to Chicago, you recorded this back in Richmond at Space Bomb, which is just an incredible space. Uh, no oh, pun intended. Yeah, yeah that was... That was a good week uh, last July, last June. Yeah, I, I I just know everybody there. Everybody that's on this record has been on my record before. Maybe sounds like three or four people. You know what I mean? And I think that it's just it's easy. You know, it's just easy to go back there and be like, oh, yeah, we we need a we need a sax player. What do we do? Let's just call up yada yada yada, and it's like yada 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 can't do it. That's fine. He has a wedding gig today. We didn't know that, but he'll be like, here's two people I know, and then you're like, okay, now I know these two people. I hit them up, and then they just come in, you know, because it's city is only it's so small. People can just sort of do that, and I think that was that is the best part about making any record. And I think I know how to do that in Virginia so well. And I think that's not something to take for granted. Yeah. And it is worth pointing out for people, you know, you mentioned like you need a saxophonist, like most of the music you're hearing on this album, correct me if I'm wrong, they aren't samples, you know, it's oh, in the no. studio, the strings, yeah. the strings you hear, the trumpet, the fugal horn, the keys, the drums, the bass, you know, that's a long way from three people putting together an album to having, you know, a string section and a conductor. How does that change the dynamic for you? That must feel so good to see your music come to life that way. It is honestly so cool. Like, and it, and it's it's crazy because if you trace my history, you know what I mean? My first, first album, Who Taught You Hate Yourself? All Beats. 2016, you know what I mean? Figuring it out. First big, first record I released, whatever, figuring it out, learning, you know what I mean? Then sure. as this time was going on, you know, I was showing people, you know, in my school, people in my community, I was like, yeah, not yet, but at some point I will need you to play sax for me. And it won't be today, <laughs> but it, it might not be next week, but at some point. So then you sort of grow, you continue to say these people, you go to shows, you be known in the community, you make sure that people know who you are, you know, and then you do come back to these people and then, you know, you make 
for my mama, which is then sort of this big thing that I did in houses and student basements all over apartments and all these sort of things. And it's with these people, this large group of people that still have been with me for years and years, and years, you know? So then you do Beloved Paradise Jazz and now it is sort of in a studio space. Awesome. And it's cool because then all these people suddenly become affirmed in the journey because then they're not only affirmed in your journey, but they're also affirmed in the sense that it's like, oh yeah, he did call me to come back. Of course he would. You know what I mean? And it's like, of course I would because you played on everything I've ever done, you know? And I think that sort of moment was the best part about recording these, these instruments, you know, it's like people I've walked through time with. So that was the best part about it. I've never recorded in a studio before that. So in addition to your music career, you know, I read that you're an animator and an illustrator. Uh, those are things that are near and dear to my heart. Uh, yeah, I could tell that Miles Psycho shirt. Oh, yeah. I'm wearing an anime t-shirt today, which is something I would normally wear. But yeah, no, I'm extra special excited because I know you shouted that uh, anime out. But I'm before we get to that, how did you get into animation and, you know, uh, graphic design, illustration? Was that a first passion or did that come after music? Um, solely animation, honestly. I, animation, I just always was, I always loved how easy it was to build a world. I, I loved how easy it is to talk to everyone if you do it really well. You know, I think, I believe children's media is how you sort of last forever. You know, if you make something accessible to kids, then it sort of becomes something that, will never lose, you know, it'll never lose light. You know what I mean? I think, I think that's something I really latched onto when I was growing up because I was looking for worlds to escape into. I was looking for places to go. I was looking for things to sort of be like, as a child watching it definitely will help me craft my imagination, which then allows me to sort of be a visual, you know, musician when I write, you know, and I think, it just grew, you know, especially as indie animation became way more um, accessible. Does your brain operate differently when you're working on animation versus mm -hmm. working with music? Definitely, yes. So that's, that is one of the few but big differences where it's like, so music, while I am definitely not a master, I do think that I have to stop myself sometimes because it is like, I just made Beloved Paradise Jazz. I'm like, what's next? What's next? What's next? And it's like, next is learning. You know what I mean? The only way I made Beloved Paradise Jazz is because I took periods to learn, you know, and grow and figure out what I want to say next. You know what I mean? And tighten it up, you know? And I think that I am, I am the one conducting the music. I'm the one arranging. I'm the one sort of being like, this is what I say it goes, you know what I mean? Yes or no, I'm bringing all these people and it's a big, big effort. And it's something that is very communal. And then with animation, it's quite exactly the opposite in a way where it's like, I draw at my house, you know, silently. With that, I'm always learning because I'm nowhere near as good as I am with that than I am with music, you know? So I think it's every single day I can see something that inspires me with that, you know? Whereas with music, it's not that it doesn't inspire me with the amount of music that comes out, but there's like, it's just a lot, you know, I do work in music, you know? So with animation, it's like, oh, I can see something that I've never heard of or never even thought of. And it's like, oh, this continuously inspires me. And I think that is the beauty of animation. 
This is World Cafe. We're here with McKinley Dixon. The new album is called Beloved Paradise Jazz. Want to get to another song from the album. And the next song is a tribute to the artist Carrie Mae Weems and her Kitchen Table series. Um, For people who don't know, it's a collection of black and white photographs. It's really striking, all taken from the same angle, but, you know, exploring a variety of different stories and emotion. There are a lot of stories being told in these. What drew you to those visuals? Um, I think... It's brilliant how it says so much in such simple, you know, such simple terms. Like the fact that the table is so synonymous with so many things, so many people, so many moments, so fluidly through time and so communitively through everyone is sort of like magic how she did that. If you think about it, you know, it's like. It's like ridiculous how she just had a picture of her with a wine glass at a kitchen table with a single light. And it's like, oh, my mom. You know what I mean? It's like so many other people like, oh, my mom. You know, it's like, oh, oh, my like, oh, my cousin, my aunt. You know, and it's like it's honestly spellbinding. So that's what drew me to those photos. And it's just the fact that she just did it over and over and over again. Like she was just like it was like boom, 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 boom. Here's like 50 photos. They're all all every single one of these. You understand. And right. it was so specific to like black people. It was like in black and white, but it's like boom, you get it. You know, it's like there was like there was a frame on the wall. Now there's no frame on the wall. Like that's like that's easy, and I think that's just brilliant. I think that was enough to inspire a song. Let's take a listen live from the kitchen table. It's McKinley Dixon on World Cafe. From my mama's kitchen table Where she pulls heartbreak to her chest And folds up cards to keep legs stable Where the currency for meals is often The letter that's exchanged in I ain't seen you in a minute So sorry, tears were in your frame I line different, nothing missing You ain't called, but we ain't tripping Come in Still remember the seat and treat the home Just like the heart Keep it warm and always beating it, sir It's McKinley Dixon, live from the kitchen table. So good. The new album is called Beloved Paradise Jazz. It is available now. McKinley, an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you so much for taking the time. Congrats on the album and looking forward to hearing what's next. Thank you. Maybe in that, maybe catch up on just you two guys and I haven't seen the latest episode. I don't know what's next. (laughs) (laughs) That's McKinley Dixon. My name's Kalea. We're back in a minute with more World Cafe. All that sitting and swiping, your body is adapting to your technology. Learn how and what you can do about it. I really felt like the cloud in my brain kind of dissipated. Once I started realizing what a difference these little bricks were making, there's no turning back for me. Take NPR's Body Electric Challenge. Listen to the series wherever you get your podcasts. This message comes from NPR sponsor Mint Mobile. From the gas pump to the grocery store, inflation is everywhere. So Mint Mobile is offering premium wireless starting at just $15 a month. To get your new phone plan for just $15, go to mintmobile.com switch. This message comes from NPR sponsor Viking, committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, destination-focused dining, and cultural enrichment on board and on shore. 
And every Viking voyage is all-inclusive with no children and no casinos. Discover more at viking.com.